Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Morning Grind here, here on Roto-Grinders. As you can tell from my voice, I am not Stevie. He is still out on vacation. It's me taking over this week for the most part. Joined here by my buddy Blender. How you doing over there, buddy? Good. I'm just, uh, I'm licking my wounds. Didn't have a, didn't, didn't have a very good Sunday. I managed to get, like, all the right pieces, but not enough exposure to them that I, I couldn't, like, I couldn't make the one lineup that had that had everyone together, and uh, and and that that meant most of my lineups, uh, you know, bit the dust. Yeah, yeah, right, right there with you. Except for I just had a lot of bad people. The two guys, three guys I locked in are the ones that had the most disappointing day. So, like, I I had the for the most part, I had the QB pieces right. Um, I just yeah, yeah Michael Thomas. I, I mean, I basically I locked in Duke Johnson, Mike Davis did not go well. Obviously, we know what happened there. I feel kind of vindicated by the fact we're reviewing lineup DB here, and just right off the bat, we can start with Mike Davis, 40% owned in the Million Maker, 33% owned in the play action, 61% owned in the Wildcat, which had a few injuries in there. Same with Duke Johnson, 20% owned in the play action, 28% owned in the Wildcat. I feel like either one of them you could have faded or locked in and it wasn't really a right or wrong answer. What what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I don't think I don't think I don't think you lost because of Mike Davis. Mike Davis was four K. He got eight point four points. So if you were playing smaller field contests, like there were there were people that won GPPs with Mike Davis in their lineup. Because I mean, when you get the ownership this high, and eight points for four K, I mean, we see good wide receivers. With four, you know, for 4K, get eight points in a winning lineup also. So, to me, that's, that's not the reason. Uh, it's when you play Davis and Johnson together. Like, then now you, now you have an 8.4 guy and a 5.4 guy. Then you also have an underperforming Aaron Jones. So, I mean, the running back shock this week uh, underperformed. But I've been, I've been saying this for, for the entire season, that running back variance is, is, is high. So, like, I look to mix in. Uh, many other running backs uh, at similar price points doesn't mean that I'm fading. Like I had, I had, I, I played 110 lineups. I had 67% Mike Davis. So like, like, it's not like I, I, I like completely faded him or anything, but I had still a third of my lineups didn't have him in. And then like, I had like 20% Duke Johnson. I was under the field on Aaron Jones, but instead of Aaron Jones, I was playing Miles Sanders 
Kamara and Josh Jacobs. And obviously Kamara and Jacobs, you know, they were the top two running back in the slate. But I also played some Antonio Gibson and DeAndre Swift. And at the low level, like if you were – the pivots off of Duke Johnson were those guys. The pivots off of Jones were Kamara and Jacobs. Just like most of my lineups were one of each. Like not – like they weren't together. So it's yeah. like I would have uh, Duke Johnson and Kamara. It's like, okay, well, that, that's not going to get me to the top of a large field GPP. I also, I also had a bunch of Ronald Jones. And he broke off a 98-yard touchdown run. But, of course, I have Ronald Jones in a lineup with Aaron Jones, the Joneses. So, like, yeah. that didn't work. Or, or, he's, or, or I have a lineup with Ronald Jones, DeAndre Swift, and Michael Thomas. Or something, or something like that. Like, okay, now, now that lineup's dust. So, like, that, that seemed like 110 lineups. What my strategy was in GPP was to play as many of the uncorrelated wide receivers. So, we go to wide receiver ownership. Uh, we got Diggs up there, right? We got Hopkins. We got Lockett. We got Cup. Like, those were the popular games, right? The, the, the Arizona game the Arizona Buffalo game, the uh, Rams Seahawks game. So I figured that I, I was playing plenty of stacks of those games, but I wanted to play as many one-offs that weren't those receivers because figuring if those games go off, those stacks win. So I played a lot of Allen. I played a lot of Thomas. I played a lot of Parker. I played McLaurin. I played guys like that, that their attached quarterback was – not many people were playing. So if they, if McLaurin had a 30 point game, I don't have to worry about, you know, Alex Smith stacks, even though I was playing some of them. So uh, like Marvin Jones, I didn't mind as a one-off because there weren't going to be many Stafford stacks. Uh, the problem is, is that those one-off wide receivers like really didn't, they, they didn't get there. I mean, Michael yeah. Thomas, definitely not. Keenan yeah. Allen got bailed out with a, a decent 13 point score with a late touchdown. Uh, uh, we, McLaurin, I mean, 18 points on the context of the slate wasn't that bad. So, like, a lot of my lineups were built that way, where I would have an Allen plus Diggs plus Hopkins lineup, but I would also have uh, and two cheap running backs. I would have Antonio Gibson and then Mike Davis and then Michael Thomas, right? And then Keenan Allen. He like a 12-point wide receiver for 7 plus K. And, you know, it got my lineups to like the 150 level, but you're not going to win GPPs with 150, even on a low-scoring slate. So, you know, I played for the low-scoring slate. It's just that I obviously I didn't play the right guys. I played a lot of Robbie Anderson as leverage off of Mike Davis. Turns out you needed to play DJ Moore. So, I mean, I got the concept right, just the wrong guy. So most of my lineups were built that way. So I had a, I had a lot of bunched in the 130 to 150 range. But, you know, that's, that's just not going to cut it in GPPs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, and on top of that, like, obviously, football, very volatile sport, um, but there was a lot of, like, Duke Johnson, they were, what, first and four on the four-yard line, and Duke Johnson didn't get into the end zone. Like, they completely blew it, couldn't get into the end zone there. We got Miles Sanders, who, Clement got one touch for one touchdown. Boston Scott got four touches for a touchdown. Miles Sanders? had a decent overall game. He just didn't happen to get into the end zone. Like, so you got those three running backs, Aaron Jones, we all know what happened there. Um, just 
Packers were like kind of all over the place. It was the windy game. Like he's he's the one fade that I'm proud of, of the fact that I use zero percent. Like I had no Aaron Jones in my lineup, but yeah, like these wide receivers, Keenan Allen had one of his lowest target shares of the season. All right, that's fine. He still ended up all right, but seven targets. Michael Thomas didn't have a good first half and then had Winston in there for the second half. And like Michael Thomas is a guy that generally in the past has what 90% catch rate, 85% catch rate. He went two for seven on his targets because Winston. Well, did you really- see? Did you see Winston trying to throw him the ball? Yeah. Like the, the, the Winston, we like Winston when he was on the Buccaneers because he chucks it, right? Mm-hmm. Like because Godwin Evans is like, go down the field. I'm just going to chuck it 50 times. Michael Thomas types, you know, the slant routes require much much more precision. They're lower a dot. Yeah. So someone like Breeze is great for Thomas. But I saw some of these passes that Winston was trying to throw him and. Like, Michael Thomas could catch something that's near him, but they weren't even close. So, like, and also, the Saints ran three plays in the first quarter. They went, like, a three and out in the 49ers, just like Jerick McKinnon, I think, was something like 18 for 30 rushing. Or, like, they they ran the ball and the clock down. Uh, so, like, Michael Thomas's ceiling was, was, was limited. And, then of course, Kamara is the one that gets – you know, the, the, the short touchdowns, the little dump offs or whatever, which is, which is, which is fine. I mean, that's how the, the, the Saints play. Uh, and then of course, you know, when Breeze gets injured, you get Taysom Hill in there. So did Michael, you might as well, you might as well put Michael Thomas on the bench because Taysom Hill ain't throwing him the ball. Uh, so, I mean, I, I thought uh, if, if you believed that Michael Thomas still had a nearly 30% target share on, on the Saints offense at 7,400, I think I think that was I think that was fine. It just turns out that it's not. And uh, that we we have the test next week, Grant. Are we doing it next week? He's he, he didn't go under under seven k. He's seventy three hundred against the Falcons. It's possible that Breeze is out and Winston's in. Uh, how much money are you plan on losing with Michael Thomas at seventy three hundred against the Falcons secondary? Uh, that's that's a tough one. If Breeze plays, like I'm going all in. Like I'm fine with that. And he still had a decent target share with Breeze. I think he had what three targets on 13 passes with breeze it just they weren't passing the ball he didn't have the ball in his hand a whole lot they were running but yeah yeah against the against the falcons if winston's in there that's that's tough honestly i might make take a few more shots on emmanuel sanders um a guy that i think fits winston a little bit better than those short dump offs um so yeah no it's it was an interesting situation uh for everything let's talk about the qbs the highest owned qbs were Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. They both end up with right around 30 points. Like, not going to break the slate, but definitely guys you wanted to have on your lineup unless you were just full-on punting quarterback. Were you were you overweight on Josh Allen and Kyler Murray? No, I was about even with the field. I was more overweight. Uh, my, my cheap shots were uh, uh, with Tua, with that cheap stack with, like, Grant and Gazicki and Parker. And then I could run it back with Allen. So, like, that that made sense. I also tried some Alex Smith, right? I mean, he didn't throw a touchdown, but he threw nearly 400 yards. You know, Allen, uh, Alex Smith with uh, McLaurin and Thomas and then MJJ run back or something like that. Uh, but, I mean, I was most uh, from in the expensive range. You t- I, I know the game ended up being a dud because the Rams rushed touchdowns in and uh, the Seahawks were horrible. But, you, I mean – Russell Wilson was 8% in the Wildcat. He was 5% in the Millie, 5% in the play action. 
You tell me I could get a Seattle Seahawks stack with Russell Wilson at 5%? Like, w- would we ever be shocked if Russell Wilson puts up, you know, 300 yards and five touchdowns? No, we're, we're not. I know the Rams defense is good. I know. But, I mean, with that discount from, you know, Kyler Murray being, you know, 18% in the Millie, Allen being 13%, Goff being 13%, Herbert being 9%, and Russell Wilson sitting there at 5%. I mean, Tua was more owned than Russell Wilson in the Millie. Rodgers was more owned than Russell Wilson in the Millie. Yeah, Russell Wilson had a bad game, 12.92. You're right, but I, the, the, I'm going to take a shot. I typically don't play Russell Wilson when he's high owned, but if he's going to be low owned, if it, if it, him plus Lockett, plus Metcalf, plus Greg Olson at the tight end, you can make, he was a cheap tight end. You can run that back with Cup, Woods, Reynolds. I, I thought I thought that made, compared to the ownership, made the most sense and just didn't get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, like, yeah, Russell Wilson, he was, prior to this week, he was on, what, close to or at record-setting pace for touchdowns this season. I think he's at 28 on the season. So through eight games, he was on pace for 56 touchdowns. And we're getting this guy who's cheaper than Kyler Murray, who's cheaper than Josh Allen. We're getting him at 5% ownership. I'm right there with you. I really like the thought process behind it, especially with a hodgepodge of uh, running backs out. He still rushed for 60 yards. He just, he didn't get those touchdowns. Like Alex Smith got, or Alex Collins got the one touchdown, and then they couldn't get into the end zone after that. So, yeah, right there with you with the whole process of everything. Wish it would have hit. He was, I played four lineups, one Murray, one Allen, one Herbert, one Wilson. I have absolutely zero complaints about my thought process on things, but they just yeah didn't didn't seem to turn out too well on well, it. Well, I uh, mean, it's compared to ownership. Like to me, it's not like I didn't pick that stack because like I typically don't play the Seahawks because too many people play them. Like that's it comes down to very similar to to, to MLB, right? And everyone's on the Dodgers or the Red Sox or you know something like that. And it's like you know these are teams that I don't play that often because. They're, they're expensive and they're just, they tend to be over-owned. So I thought on this slate that they were under-owned. So, okay, I'll play them when they're under-owned. I think the, I thought the Murray Hopkins digs stuff was, was going to be the most, I mean, it, yeah, it got there. It was the most owned. I still had plenty of it. Didn't have the right pieces in those lineups, but, uh, but like there was no chance I was playing Aaron Rodgers, like for the same, Aaron Rodgers was more owned. And, and Rodgers Adams, that 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 Rodgers Adams stack was like four times more owned in like the low stakes than in the high stakes. And the difference between Adams at nine thousand was drastic: ten percent in the Wildcat, twenty-one percent in the play action. So if you wanted to make, of course, that I mean, Devontae Adams at nineteen point six ain't getting there for nine k, but I mean, it still performed better than some of the other stacks that you could have played. Definitely in the Seattle Rams game. But the, the whole the whole point that I that I always make is like I'm aiming for first. Like whether or not if you played if you played some stacks and you got 160 and you got a 1.5 x or something, like I'm not writing home about that. Like I'm I'm the I'm I'm aiming for, for I'm aiming for 220. I'm aiming for first place. So like I just I yes, I'll build my Allen, my Diggs, my Hopkins lineups. I had plenty of those. I have, what what can I shove in? You know, Robbie Anderson, up, oh, that didn't work, right? What can I put in there? Oh, let me put in, uh, um, who, who's that running back? I also played some other cheap running backs that didn't get there. 
who else didn't get there? Like Jarek McKinnon, right? You play Jarek McKinnon on one side and Michael Thomas on the other side. There was a disaster. That was a disaster secondary correlation. Two guys that, that yeah. McKinnon actually got more points than Thomas. I got like 10 points combined. So like those, those are the types of things that, you know, you're looking to do. You just, I'm hoping to get the right pieces together. You know, I have Ronald Jones, great, but I have him with Robbie Anderson, right? Because that's a lineup that I don't play Mike Davis in, right? I have Antonio Gibson, great, with uh, Danny Amendola, not Marvin Jones. So it's like, ah, like, like I, can't, I can't get one lineup that has all the pieces together. So like my highest lineup was, I think, 173, 175. But like, if I took the pieces, there were, there were, there were, there were secondary correlations and stuff that I could have put together. It could have came out that I had like a lineup that's like 210 or something. Uh, it just it just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean the fact that Beasley, like, well, I was know that Josh Allen might put up a big game for one of his second wide receivers, either John Brown or Beasley. Just happened to be Beasley with thirty point outing here, taking away some stuff from Diggs, taking away that touchdown that could have gone to Diggs. But yeah, yeah, no, it's it was it was just a rough week overall. Like, with I think a lot of people to- didn't take advantage of late swap. I could tell because uh, there, there was one player that I started late swapping into a lot of my lineups. And this is, this is how bad, this is how bad luck happens to me. I, I swapped because what I was preparing to do before the slate was to play Josh Jacobs in a lot of my lineups and then hoping that turns into Chase Edmonds, right? Because he's yeah. 6,500 and Chase Edmonds 6,300. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to, I, I want to have Jacobs. I play, I like uh, in 110 lineups, give me like 15% Jacobs. Like, I'm fine with that normally. Like, that's what I wanted to do. But, like, okay, now give me 25% Jacobs because I'm hoping that 10% of it or more is going to turn into Edmonds if Drake sits. Well, we got the news that Drake isn't sitting. But we also got other news. We got Jordan Howard and Matt Burita were inactive. So I looked at the Dolphins saying, I'm already playing a bunch of Tua, so why don't I, like, kind of hedge by playing the 4K running back that's going to lead against, okay, give me Salvan Ahmed, right? So, yeah. you know what I did? Because inst- I, I, all the cheap running backs that I was playing was from the early games. So I really only had slots that were like Kamara and Jacobs. So I started, yeah. I started swapping Kamara and Jacobs into Ahmed and then upgrading like wide receivers to like Michael Thomas. <laughs> Michael Thomas, Hopkins. Right, like yeah, I, I flipped it. I'm like, okay, let me get the cheap, wide re- cheap running back in, right? So not many Kamara lineups switched because, you know, I, yeah, it's a little I didn't tough have to that do. many. So it's like, can I switch, okay, Jacobs to Ahmed, and then I have a flex spot that I could turn into Cup, Lockett, one of the high-priced wide receivers, and uh, that, that, that didn't turn out well. But Ahmed had a pretty good game for 60. If he would have been viable, if you know that, they were, that all those running backs were If Davis would have been playing in the late game instead of the early game, Ahmed would have been a viable swap off of Davis. Right, if you were way behind – and you're yeah. like, okay, I need to get leverage, so let me swap out Davis for Ackman. Yeah, obviously, that would, would happen. Same for Duke Johnson. Just so happened that most people had all three running, had basically had their flex filled out because it was Jones, Johnson, Davis. So that's why we see, even in the Wildcat, Ahmed was 0.56% owned because most people just didn't have that slot. I ended up having that slot because I was building lineups with wide receiver flex. So, like... Most of my most of my lineups only had two running backs in them to begin with, so I was able to swap off a bunch of my lineups to Ahmed or to Homer 
Like I was looking at that, like maybe uh, a swap, swap out my, my uh, like lock at one offs to Homer in the flex and then go up at wide receiver to Michael Thomas. Like that, that everything ended up with me going up to wide receiver to Michael Thomas. And that, that, that 4.7 points that, uh, that, yeah. that hurt my lineups even more. Yeah. Yeah. That single-handedly destroyed my day. Well, no, I guess not single-handedly. There's a lot of bad decisions were made. Well, no, things turned out poorly. Bad decisions. I don't know if they were made, but things definitely turned out poorly. Um, the interesting thing was tight end. It really didn't matter too much what you did. Uh, it, like, did. it did matter what you did. Trust me. I know because I did. I, <laughs> it, that, it didn't matter what you did unless you just spent overspent for it, which is what I did in that third of my lineups by playing Darren Waller. Yeah, I mean, I, I strangely enough got tight end right because I played a lot of Jordan Reed and Hunter Henry in my Herbert stack. So two of the top tight end plays on the entire slate. Granted, they were only 11 points and 13 points. But still, like, yeah, tight end was just entirely worthless. Goddard getting injured probably didn't help. Well, it helped all the people that didn't play him. But he still was, what, projected for 25% ownership, came in at 16% ownership. Like a little bit under Waller only ended up at 15% ownership in the Wildcat, 10% ownership in the play action. People just kind of punted, did whatever tight end ended up fitting. Like it was the last thing they did into their lineups. But yeah, yeah, tight end. Like this was just a gross week all around. Thought it would be a great day, five, six afternoon games. Like it was set up to be beautiful. Mike Davis chalk, but yeah. Yeah, things well, my, just... my, my thoughts at tight end were that I knew many people were punting with tight end. Like, I knew many people were going to go in the 4K range. Goddard, Engram, Henry, uh, Logan Thomas, Austin Hooper, you know, something like there. And out of all the tight ends that were available, like, Waller has a 25-point ceiling. I mean, like, yeah. like he, he could put up an a, a 8 for 90 in a touchdown type of day. And if if he has 25 points and the next nearest tight end is 10, like that's just 15 points that no one, none of the other lineups could possibly have. Most people don't play double tight end. So I don't have to worry about one, two of them performing. So I'm like, how can I, how can I gain leverage by just, just going over the field on Waller and just like hoping for, obviously he had a, he, he essentially, he essentially dropped an 80 yard touchdown. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a 50-yard pass that he dropped that he would have ended up running another 30 yards into the end zone. So, like, the whole thing would have changed, right? 80-yard, yeah. an 80-yard touch, 70-yard, whatever it was. I mean, that, I mean, essentially, you're leaving 14 points on the table. Waller would be sitting with, like, 21, and then we'd be going, well, unless you played Waller, it didn't matter. Like, that. that's what I was hoping for, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, no, man. What a what a terrible slate. Interesting one was Josh Reynolds, like going for 17 and a half. Like not something you normally need on many slates, but today, like a lot a few of the top price guys, the top price running backs were the ones that went up. I mean, the Millie Maker line winning lineup had Jacobs and Kamara. You basically needed them to have a just crushing score. You needed Hopkins, like, or Diggs. So you kind of had to go down to a cheap wide receiver. I went Amendola. I kind of – I was going between Amendola and maybe Hall, like them being kind of chalkier last week and then Galladay still being out, them not performing, still came in at fairly low ownership. 
but you needed to hit on one of the cheap guys and Reynolds or Waller were pretty much the two guys because Davis didn't end up panning out. Duke Johnson didn't end up paying out, although he's a little bit higher priced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I played a bunch of Jakeem Grant. That that worked out for a 3K wide receiver. But, I mean, some people played Conley, and it turns out Keelan Cole was the play. It, actually, if you double-dipped with the Jaguars' defense, he got two touchdowns on, on one punt return. Then he also got in the end zone. He was, what, he was under 1% owned. Uh, we got, I mean, we take a look at the wide receivers on the slate as far as perf- like the uh, point total is concerned. Like Cole Beasley was 4% in the Wildcat. Like Hopkins and Diggs were there, right? Hopkins and Diggs were two of the highest scoring wide receivers, 24%, 26% in the Wildcat. But then you have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, sub 1%. Deontay Johnson, 3%. T. Higgins, 1%. Marvin Jones, 1%. Juju, 1%. Cole, under 1%. Claypool, 4%. Evans, 2%. Ayuk, 4%. DJ Moore, 4%. So, like, if you played super contrarian, so I say it, I say that as super contrarian, you, you, you probably had a, a very good day. Like, I play contrarian. I just don't play. I didn't play super contrarian. So, like, the, the Millie Maker uh, winning lineup had a communal of ownership of 80, which... Norm, on a normal slate, like 80 to 120 is like that, that like sweet zone on a normal slate. But when you have like super chalk pieces, like it's very, like the only way you could get in that zone is by fading Mike Davis and Aaron Jones. Like you have to fade both yeah. of them. Yeah, Duke Johnson get and Mike Davis zone. add up to over 80% ownership. Already. Right, right, exactly. So, so I'm like, okay, so I don't need 80. So I'm like, uh, maybe if I'm between like 110 and 140 or something like that, that would, that would be okay. Uh, but you need you need both you need all the chalk pieces to fail. That's why I consider it to be super contrarian. If you're just contrarian by feeding, uh, fading one of the chalk pieces in a lineup, then you're going to obviously be over eighty. You're going to be over a hundred. So I don't think I don't think it's a uh, it's a fault if you played lineups that had communal of ownerships of you know one twenty, one thirty, one forty. Because I mean I had plenty of, I because I I did that when I was building in lineup HQ. I'm looking through going, well, this lineup's at like 145. And I'm looking through, it's like, well, I got I it's it's an Alex Smith stack. Right? It's Alex Smith with McLaurin and Marvin Jones as a run back, and they're all like project like Marvin McLaurin was projected at nine percent at Marvin Jones at three percent and Smith at two percent. Like, what do, what do I care? Then fine, give me Mike Davis, give me Aaron Jones, like like I look at that specific lineup and go, I don't care what the communal of ownership is. This is this is this is leveraged enough. I'm I'm good. Obviously, if the if the chalk hit and the stack hits, I win. But the chalk didn't hit in that type of lineup. And then another lineups that are lower, that I had like 110, like that. Those were the lineups where it's like Al. I had the Al and Diggs, whatever, and I just like I didn't have Davis and Jones. But of course, then I have Michael Thomas and I have Robbie Anderson. And I have all that crap in there, so that didn't get there. So, so don't necessarily. This is why I always say the, the cumulative ownership. There's no correct number. You know, t- I say typically 80 to 120. You'll hear that around the industry, but it really depends on the context of the slate and the context of obviously the contest that you're playing, and and the line and, and the exact lineup. Because you play Keelan Cole uh, at point nothing percent and Marcus Valdez Scantling at nothing. Keelan Cole, percent. who I was on big last week. And did nothing. He was he was a little bit shockier last week. 
Yeah, but he didn't do much this week. I think what he got a punt return and an end zone target. Like it's not like he was out there, you know, getting twelve yeah. targets or anything. And he's more of a higher A dot guy, and the the wind was making that unlikely. It was it was. Oh yeah, yeah the wind. Oh that oh that that wind. Can you believe that wind on that Marcus Valdez Scantling seventy four yard pass? Oh the wind in Pittsburgh. Oh how do you how do you play that game with the wind? Yeah. Right? Well, you so also had the wind in Cleveland. I, I okay. actually. The one thing that kind of made up for my horrible weekend was sports betting, betting the under on the Cleveland game. That was that was just the easiest. I hope you got that number early in the week. Didn't matter. I, I don't care if it mattered. You, well, you care about closing line value. Yeah, I mean, I got – yeah, I got it at 46, so I didn't get it earlier on the week. You didn't get it early. You, you, have to, you have to get your Slancy bucks. I think I got it on, like, Thursday. Um but yeah, I didn't get that early on in the week. I was kind of waiting on stuff, but I still I got it at minus one hundred five, so not bad. And then and it didn't matter if Chubb ran that in or not; it, it was way under. Yeah. yeah, and then the Chargers, just easiest bet every week if you sports bet. Wait until the Chargers get up big or down big, and then hammer, hammer it. Just like I got the Chargers at plus thirteen and a half or plus fourteen and a half, and just pretty much guaranteed it. Like the Chargers games are always going to end close, and. They're going to lose by three plus. So we could say I the had, same for the Falcons. Anytime Falcons get a lead, you just hammer the other. Well, they changed. Right? They changed their uh, their coaching, and it, it it they they haven't quite done that as much as they did earlier on in the season. But yeah, same basic principle. Yeah, no, I, I mean I had I had the Dolphins minus one and a half, and I had the Chargers plus thirteen and a half. Never in my, I never once thought that I wasn't going to middle it easily. But yeah. Um, anything else you want to go over or the chalk defense got there, the saints 14 yeah, points, which is unfortunate because I was on the Rams and Jacksonville. Yeah, but the Rams got 13. So if you played the chalk defenses got there and, and I, I mean, I had a bunch of the Raiders, they got there. Uh, problem is that I, in some of my good lineups, I had the Bengals. Right, yeah, Bengals no, board. that was the third defense that I ended up playing. It was Rams. I just played, I played all the cheapest ones. I'm like, all right, win game, win game and Seattle is Russell Wilson has been turning the ball over a lot. So, yeah, I, I played all the cheap defenses. Two of them pl- panned out real well. One of them, Bengals, did not pan out well at all. But it, that would have made a difference. I was everything. Michael Thomas just ruined everything. How much Michael Thomas did you have? 100%. Okay, that, that, yeah, that'll be a problem. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Like, if I swap Michael Thomas over to – Diggs or Hopkins in every single lineup, then I'm I'm probably not looking at a big old bagel in terms of ROI. Yeah, well, that's what that's why I don't like people. That's why I don't like people. Well, I mean, how, you're playing what four lineups? Yeah, I only played. Yeah, four that's a, that, that's that's a misnomer, Grant. To say lock it into four lineups. Yeah, it I mean, takes, I had... when you when you, I'm playing 110 lineups. If I say lock it in, that kind of, that means I'm playing 100. A lot of people listen to lock it in, and they like unless you know, yeah, like how many I mean, lineups. Like Chief says that also. I'm locking them in, and they're like, "How many lineups you're playing? Six. I'm like, "That's yeah." Well, I, that's, I played hundred. Okay, you're playing six out of six. Okay, I get it. Yeah, I guess I played 150 on Super Draft, which is just entirely different. Um, and I have like 80 percent of them over there, which immediately destroyed me. So right, but that's not locking them in, right? Just like I, yeah. I had 67 percent Mike Davis. So. uh you know, and that's that's as much as I could get. Like, I mean, I was just trying to build lineups that were leveraged enough, and it got to the point where it, I couldn't get more than two thirds of my lineups 
to have him in without without being too chalky. So like I had I it, it wasn't the fact that I wanted to play over the field or under the field. I wanted to play as much Mike Davis as I could. That based on what stacks I was playing and the price points. And I wanted to play enough of the cheaper other running backs. I wanted to play Ronald Jones and Antonio Gibson and Swift and Travis Homer and Ahmed when he came in and Jake. I, I wanted to play a bunch of other running backs. So like I would pump those guys up to like five, 10% minimum just to get them into lineups. And then it gets to a point where it's like, well, we can't give you any, the, the lineup HQ is like, I can't give you any more Mike Davis because then your lineup is going to be too chalky. Right. So, you, so it's like, okay. But I mean, most, most of my builds were some other running back plus Davis, some other running back plus Johnson. So like that, that was the main, cause I was jamming in so many high price wide receivers that that's, that, that was my strategy. And just so happened that, you know, you have a snowflake in every lineup and that's, that's the worst. Typically when you're playing GPP, when you see someone do poorly, uh, like in the early games, you hope that all your snowflakes are in one lineup. Right. You want, yeah. you want, if you have like, if you have, if you have like uh five lineups with a guy that gets injured, like if I have five out of a hundred lineups that get injured in the first play and I have like two lineups that have like Ronald Jones in it or something with that big touch. I'm like, I hope they're not together. Please, please. I'm crossing my fingers. Like I'll take all the snowflake, put Michael Thomas in that lineup. That's fine. Put the snowflake in the lineup. Yeah, I don't if you play if 50%, in- if you play 50% snowflakes and they happen to be in all the same lineups, and you're 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 in great shape. I'm like in it great matter. shape. Give me the flames and all the same one. I don't want snowflakes and flames going together. They don't they don't, they don't work out. Nothing's nothing's worse than alternating fire snowflake fire snowflake. That, that's just the absolute worst. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything else, or should we get out of here? I don't know. I think I think we we appropriately reviewed the slate and. Uh, Licked our wounds. Yeah. Ended up, I'm surprised we didn't uh, record this in the fetal position. But I mean, I'm assuming that many, many people are in the, in, the, in the same spot. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, NFL, DFS, it's, it's high variance. These, the touchdowns, you, you, can't, you, you can't predict to the, the extent that you need the touchdowns. Who's going to touch the ball? What's the game scripts or anything? So I mean, that, that was that was kind of my thought processes. I know Thomas is going to have massive volume in any given game. I can't see that Drew Brees is going to get injured. Like you, I can you, see you, a blow. I mean, also, but you had to see that if the Saints struggle, that means the 49ers are going to run the clock out. I mean, even on the blitz, like Cardi's the blitz had had that game with like one of the lowest amount of plays. Yeah, which I I didn't want any other play besides Michael Thomas. Maybe I could have gone Kamara, but I didn't because I was so on Michael Thomas. But it was Michael Thomas, it was Kamara, and it was um, Reed were the only three I was thinking about. Right. I was I was playing more McKinnon and Ayuk in combinations with that because I was obviously, yes, Reed, fine, but I was playing so much Waller that I didn't have tight end slots. So it's yeah. kind of like, how, how do I correlate this? Well, let me give me another running back because running back variance is ridiculous. And, you know, that, that didn't work out. But, I mean, you play those lineups with those correlations for the outcome of a high-scoring game. Like, you'd, like I, I know I look at this and go, wow, it's projected to, to have the le- one of the least amount of plays on the slate. And you go, well, one 80-yard play could change all of that. I mean, like, like, the difference between the plays from the top, the most run plays, which was obviously projected to be uh, Arizona and Buffalo, 
and the lowest is like a grand total of nine plays. So like we're, we're not talking about like, oh, 20, 20 more plays than the others. So nine. It, in the grand scheme of things, it does, it does make a difference, nine plays. But any one game could just, you know, flip on its head and, and there you go. The Saints in the Superdome. Here we go. Here's, here's a shootout between the 49ers and the Saints. Uh, and, and that's why you build those lineups that way. You're not building because you, if you expected, oh, this is going to be a slow game and no one's going to do anything, then you wouldn't take anyone in the game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Blender, I would say it's been fun, but this is mostly. The show's just... been fun. Yeah. My, oh, it was at least tolerable, right? Yeah. It's not. The show was better than I felt before the show. At least I know that I'm not alone here and just getting absolutely destroyed. Oh, okay. But, and was just wasn't just me. So, oh, so, so you what you were hoping that I didn't do well. Uh, I was hoping that you did well, but it is consoling to hear that you did not. Okay. So that, that I, typically typically what ends up happening is if 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 you're if you consider yourself a sharp player and like everyone else that like you respect is like, wow, that was a that was a crappy week. Uh, you're like, okay, okay, I'm fine. But yeah. It's the weeks. It's the weeks where it's like you don't do well, and like everyone's posting screenshots. You know, like what the hell did I do wrong? Yeah, and it helps looking at lineups DB, like seeing the ones where the play act, biggest ownership discrepancies between the play action and the wildcat are the ones that I was heavier on. Like, so that that also makes me feel a little bit better. I I feel good about what I did. It just did not work pretty much it but uh, but hopefully hopefully we could have uh, golf tournaments on on sundays more often so we get these slates where it almost felt like did you feel like in the early games it felt like what it would normally feel like in the afternoon games yeah like the early like all the late games were like the action games so like the early five slet set was kind of like wow are they gonna they're gonna i guess they're gonna go to the packers jaguars game on the 30 yard line because where, where else are they gonna go like that's how you feel on the late part yeah. where they throw three games on and like not much has happened. Yeah. Well, it's especially boring in the beginning. I'm like, okay, the, the Houston game's delayed. Now I have like three, got three games to watch. This is pretty much the afternoon. Guess I'll just throw on oh some crappy game. I guess the bucks, the bucks seems like the most exciting. The, well, the, the Texans, the Texans Brown game was delayed over a half an hour and it finished before some of the games that started at one o'clock. Well, I mean, yeah, it's because they had to run the ball over and over again. <laughs> Both Chubb and Hunt got there. Yeah, yeah, you don't see that too often, but oh well, it's been fun, guys. Hope you enjoyed this. Me and Blender will be back again on Wednesday, reviewing week 11. Hopefully, it goes a lot better than this week. It's been fun, Blender. I'll see you on Wednesday, buddy. He gets. <laughs>